Welcome again to Time Redeemer's podcast. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 says that we are to redeem the time for the days are evil. And that's our purpose, that's our goal at Time Redeemer's podcast is to redeem the time because the days are evil. Thank you for joining us again on this second part to our uh, two-part series on the seven mysteries. And I want to encourage you uh, to visit my Facebook page, uh, Dr. Ben Pierce Ministries, Uh, Also visit on YouTube, my YouTube channel, uh, same thing. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on several different social media platforms, uh, Twitter. And I do have a new book that is now available. Uh, You can buy it off of Amazon.com. I'm actually writing about three books uh, simultaneously, but this one was just published and printed. And I'm waiting for my author proof to come in, but it is available uh, on Amazon.com, and it's called Get It Straight. And uh, Get It Straight has been several years in the works, and it deals with 42 chapters, 300 pages on typical questions uh, that are misconceptions, misquotations, just outright biblical myths uh, about the Bible, many things that we hear said all the time. And this is volume one. I have a second volume that I'm going to work on before long, have about as many chapters for that, Uh, little sayings that we hear all the time, like, uh, in the last days, you can't tell winter from summer. Uh, things like that. Uh, do you know questions about pets? Do pets go to heaven? Do we become angels when we die? Uh, these type of subjects and so much more is in Get It Straight. I encourage you to get a copy of that off of Amazon.com. And of course, if you'd like me to sign a copy, I'd be more than willing to do that. I do that, of course, free of charge, uh, and I uh, would be happy to do that for you. Just contact me at my email at drbenpierceministries at yahoo.com. But we talked before on our subject of the seven mysteries, and we get that from um, a text in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. says, Let a man so account of us as, the, uh, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We often talk about how that deals with financial matters, but this isn't a financial matter at all. Uh, the matters that we're talking about deals with being faithful over the mysteries of God. God has called us to be faithful in the mysteries of God. And those mysteries, uh, the Bible says there are seven of them. And we want to look at all seven of those mysteries as found in the Word of God. Uh, And uh, we looked at, I believe, the first four of those mysteries in our first episode. And so we're going to look at the last three of those. But just to recap a little bit, just to go back through a little bit, I'd like to share those first four with you. Uh, as we talked about, it's, it's required of a steward to be found faithful, and so we want to be faithful stewards of the Word of God. We want to teach the truths of Scripture, and we believe uh, that God's Word is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Uh, so I want us to think about, first of all, we looked at God manifest in the flesh. That's the first mystery. That's First Timothy 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So not to go back in a lot of detail with that, but uh, uh, God made Jesus Christ as a man. We know that he's always been God. But the mystery is that he became a man. He took on human flesh, and it's a mystery. We can't fully understand it. We know God can make a man four different ways in the Bible. He made a man out of dirt like he did with Adam. He made a woman out of Eve. Out of, uh, uh, he made Eve out of Adam uh, from his rib. We know that he can make a human without 
uh, a man or a woman be involved. It's how he made Jesus Christ, of course, how we got here, a man and a woman involved. And so uh, the Bible makes it very clear that it's a mystery. God manifests in the flesh. We can't fully explain it. Another mystery is Christ in you. That's Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's hard for me to understand that. That's why it's a mystery. I believe it, but it's still a mystery. How could Jesus be in me? And he's inside of you, wherever you're sitting listening to this podcast. And he's at Christians around the world. He's at Christians in our church. If we have a service, he's a Christian all over uh, all over town, all over the city, all over the state, and all over the nation and the world. And yet he indwells all of us. Uh, it is a mystery. Christ in us, that is a mystery. And yet we believe that. And I hope and trust you believe that today. And then thirdly, we looked at Christ and the church, another one of the mysteries. Ephesians 5.32 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, verse 32 says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And here, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, you and I that are saved. The Bible teaches that when a man or woman gets saved, we are now in Christ's body. We are part of him and he's part of us. And the, the church is a mystery. It's always been a mystery. The Bible says that the Old Testament prophets, they desired to look into the things of, uh, of the church age and that they didn't fully understand those things. But we are, uh, we, the Bible says that we are part of the mystery. We're part of the body of Christ. And so the body of Christ is in heaven, but it's also down here on earth. And Jesus dwells within us and we are part of him and he's part of us. And the church age itself is a mystery. And so those Old Testament prophets, they could see the mountain peaks of prophecy. They could see the second coming of Christ. Uh, they could see uh, the first advent of Christ. But they couldn't see the church age. The church has been a mystery, and it was revealed unto Paul the apostle. And so the church is a mystery. And so the Bible tells us that. Number four is the restoration of Israel. Again, these are biblical New Testament church age mysteries that are given to the body of Christ. These mysteries are to be believed. They're to be taught in the church, but they cannot be easily explained. Our churches would not be in the shape they're in if pastors and preachers and teachers would have been teaching the truths of these scriptures. Romans 11 verse 25 says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened unto Israel, unto the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away in godliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sin, as concerning the gospel, their enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved of the Father's sake, for the Father's sake, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Romans eleven twenty five through 29 makes it clear that it is a mystery concerning Israel. The fact that blindness in part has happened unto them. Yet we're in a world where the UN doesn't believe this. The President of the United States doesn't believe this. I mean, you go to other nations, they don't believe this. They don't believe that the land belongs to the Jews. They believe God's done with Israel. If they believe God had anything to do with Israel at all to begin with. We have churches all over America 
seminaries, Bible colleges, books being written, denominations that are taking stands against Israel, calling it just a political occupation, political state. And yet that passage says the unbelieving Jew is an enemy of the gospel. But the fact that God chose them, they are beloved for the Father's sake. Here's the mystery. God is not through with Israel. I'll repeat that. God is not through with Israel. It may look like it today, but he's not. 1948, God began to take the Jews that were dispersed of the world, bring them back to their homeland, and God is ultimately going to get them saved in the tribulation, and they'll trust Jesus Christ, their Messiah, once again. America better listen up, as we talked about in our last study. It is a mystery how that God has used Israel from Abraham to present, all that they've been through, and yet every nation that's gone against Israel, God has gone against that nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, remember? The people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Righteousness, they exalted the nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. And yet God says in Genesis 12, 3, I'll bless them, speaking of Israel, speaking of Abraham and his descendants, I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Folks, that is a promise of God. That is a, a covenant promise where God said, I'm going to bless those that bless Israel. You better bless the Jews. You better bless Israel. You go around stomping on their flags and spitting on their flags and cursing Israel and calling the political occupation and European Jews that have no place there and it's a Palestinian state that they're invading. That's all a bunch of hogwash. That's God's land. He put the Jew in that land. It belongs to him. And every person that's messed with God's word, he messes with them. And every person that went against Israel, God goes against that person. It is a mystery. They are enemies because they're blind to the gospel but they're beloved. We are joint heirs with them. We get in on the inheritance. We get in on the blessings because they are spiritual brethren. And we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Number five is mystery Babylon the great. The mystery is future. In Revelation chapter 17, verse five, and upon her forehead was a name written, mystery Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. It's a mystery. The mystery is something that you are supposed to believe, but it's kind of hard to explain or you can't really explain it. This mystery is a woman. She's first called a woman. The Bible is always self-interpreting, by the way. Look at Revelation 17, 18. And the woman which thou sawest is the great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Mystery Babylon, the great, the mystery, she's a woman. Or she's pictured as a female, as a woman. Scripture with Scripture. We don't need private interpretation. God said the city is a woman. The woman is a city that reigns over the kings of the earth. Do you know of a city that has influenced over that has influence over kings and political leaders around the globe? Well, they'd have to be a large city. They'd have to be a large religious influence to influence political leaders like that. It couldn't be some little tiny denomination. Look now in verse 4. She has a golden cup in her hand. Revelation 17, 4. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. This mystery is a woman who's a city that reigns over kings of the earth, whose colors, the Bible goes on to say, is scarlet and purple. This city, here's another clue, is on seven mountains in verse number 9, whose symbols a golden cup. So we're looking for a city that has a symbol of a cup, whose favorite colors are purple and scarlet, who is around seven mountains, so seven mountains surround this city, whose image 
is depicted by a woman more than anything else. So they like to emphasize a woman. So we're looking for a woman. We're looking for a cup in her hand. Sound like anybody we know? This mystery is a woman who's a great city that reigns over the kings of the earth. Whose symbol is that cup? Have you ever seen a city with the symbol of a golden cup and purple scarlet colors on it? If you look with me in verse number five, she's the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. In plain terms, the Lord said this city was a whore. I know that's plain English, but you'll hear a whole lot worse on television. Don't worry about it tonight. She's a spiritual whore. She's a spiritual prostitute. All prostitution in the Bible is not physical. There's also spiritual prostitution. God said when the nations, when Israel went after false gods, he said they committed adultery with them. God was their wife or their husband. They were uh, God's wife. And so when they stepped out on God, they went after false gods. And so God said it's spiritual fornication. So we're looking for a spiritual prostitute. This city's rich. And it goes along with the world system and runs the kings of the earth. This city is built, as we said, on seven hills. Look down in verse 6. It's also filled with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Does this city sound familiar to you today? We're talking about a notable city that's guilty of killing Christians in history. They're martyrs. Folks, there's no getting around it. Even secular history bears witness to the fact that this city is Rome. It's Rome. Even the Catholics declare it's Rome, but they talk about a political Rome versus religious Rome, yet it's one and the same. Who put spears in, a spear in Jesus' side? It was the Romans. Who pounded the nails in his hands and feet? It was the Romans. Who whipped him and scourged him? It was the Romans. Who put him in jail? It was the Romans. Who wanted to kill him? The Romans. Who put John on the island of Patmos and forced him to work in the salt mines? Take a guess. Was it a Russian? Was it Africans? Was it Chinaman? It was Rome. Romans. You say, now, Brother Ben, I know many Catholics that are good, godly people. And in fact, uh, maybe I've got family that are Catholics and they're good Christian people. I never said Catholics are lost because they're Catholics. Don't get off this podcast and say Brother Ben brings up this fifth mystery and believes that because it mentions Rome as the mystery and calls Rome the mother of all harlots and abominations of, of the earth, that I'm saying that all Catholics are bound for hell. But what I'm saying is what the Bible says and teaches, and that is that the mystery is none other than the city of Rome And if you want to learn more about this mystery, you have to listen to my Bible study on Revelation and go down to chapter 17, and I talk more about it. Rome has the largest political influence outside of Islam in the world. In fact, Roman Catholics, Roman Catholicism is the largest religion in North America, in the world, uh, outside of Islam, but in, in North America. Uh, Southern Baptists come in second as a denomination, but as far as religious beliefs go, it's Roman Catholics. And Rome has a hand in the end times prophetically and in in prophecy in the book of Revelation. And they believed this so much during the Reformation days that they even believed the Pope was going to be the Antichrist, or the Antichrist, I should say, was going to be the Pope. And that's why they called him many names as the Antichrist and Hellish Father and all that kind of stuff. They believed it and uh, because they persecuted true believers more than anybody else. And that's a whole other lesson in church history. But it's still a mystery. That's the fifth mystery. The sixth mystery is called the mystery of iniquity. 
Turn in your Bible to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2 through 8. This mystery is also future. Some of these mysteries are in the past, some of them are in the future. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2 through 8, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter uh, from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed, and the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. This is called the mystery of iniquity. Verse 7, the mystery of iniquity that doth already work. This mystery is the mystery of the Antichrist. If you want information on the Antichrist, I'd suggest listening to the podcast of the Antichrist that I put on here, and the one on the Mark of the Beast. But I'd simply say here is that this man is soon to appear. The world, the Word of God prepared the world for it for the past 2,000 years, but it's obvious to see now that the world was never more ready for it as it is today when it comes to technology, when it comes to globalism, when it comes to microchipping, when it comes to satellite technology, the World Wide Web connecting and linking all cultures and the world over, cell phones, you name it. The stage is set and ready for his appearing, and the mark of the beast is just about ready to be promoted, and then it will be demanded by all citizens of the world. Now, the mark of the beast is connected with his name, his mark, his number, and an image. There's four things the Bible speaks about. There's so much more information on this man in the Bible than any other person outside the Lord Jesus Christ. He has 18 types in the Bible. When we look at Nimrod, when we look at Cain, when we look at Judas, there's 18 types of the Antichrist in the Bible. But yet the mystery of iniquity is that the Antichrist is going to come. He will be the devil incarnate, and he is going to rule the world and the world will not be able to buy or sell without having his mark. And folks, I'm not trying to hype things up, but I'll be honest with you. Even throughout this global pandemic, with all the uh, all the lockdown and, and the, the limits to being able to buy and sell things and not being able to enter in places unless you have a facial covering and now places around the world that won't let anybody enter out without showing a shot record and travel has been restricted without a card that shows that you've got this or that. It's all leading up to it. None of this stuff would have been believed 20 years ago, 50 years ago, and yet we see it before our eyes and Christian people are deceived of this stuff. Christian people are accepted of this stuff. They're okay with it. They bought into it. And now it won't be long. And it'll all be in the name of, of just, you know, convenience and help and all of that. The world is getting ready for a world global leader that's going to be able to lead the nations together. By the way, we talked about the mystery that deals with Israel, the blindness in part that's happened unto them. The Antichrist is going to make a peace treaty with Israel for three and a half years. He's going to have the solution through signs and wonders to uh, convince Israel that he is their Messiah. And they're going to look to him as such. And he'll... he'll uh, maybe even be a part of rebuilding the temple. Who knows what's all going to happen in the time that we have left. But folks, 
Jesus is coming back again soon, and you need to be prepared. That leads us to our seventh mystery, the mystery of the rapture of the church. There's seven mysteries. The seventh one is the mystery of the rapture. For this mystery, I want us to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 55. Verse 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? This mystery is future as well, but it's imminent. This mystery is future. The final mystery in the New Testament deals with the disappearance of the church. The church is a mystery, but the rapture connected to the church is a mystery. The Bible says that it's going to take place in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, the church is going to disappear. This event is said in the Bible to take place instantaneous. It could happen before I'm done with this podcast. It could happen before this day is out. Part of the mystery here is that there will be two groups of people when this happens. There will be one group who's alive when the Lord Jesus returns who will not face death, but will be raptured out alive. Then there are those that will be resurrected out of the ground that have died in Jesus Christ. They're not sleeping in the sense of soul sleep. They're with the Lord. Their spirit and soul is with the Lord, but their body has become dust and is in the ground. But this alive man is going to go up without dying. He'll be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, when Jesus comes back for the church. In John chapter 11, we see a picture of this truth in the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. For example, when Lazarus died, Martha comes to Jesus and says in John eleven twenty one, Then saith Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. Jesus says to her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha says, I know that in the last day he'll rise again. Jesus said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. So there's two classes of people there. He says, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's the first class. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. That's the second class. So there's some that'll die that'll live again, some that are alive that'll never die. Both resurrections are found in Jesus' statement to Martha in John 11, 25, 26. It's a mystery. But the grave cannot hold our loved ones who have died in Christ, and nothing will prevent us from being raptured out when the time is right. We talked about there in Romans eleven twenty five and 26, the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and so all Israel shall be saved. When the fullness of the Gentiles are in, then we're going up. We're going to be translated. We're going to be transformed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. It could happen at any moment. It's a mystery. We don't know when it'll happen. We don't understand fully how it's going to happen. We have clues. The Bible says in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, it says it will be changed. All those things that will be absent from our body, present with the Lord, will go. First Thessalonians tells us that we'll meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be at the Lord. We know it's going to take place in the air. All these things, but it's a mystery. It's a mystery. There isn't a problem you've got today that could not be solved if Jesus would just come back right now. I, I heard a, there's an old song, you may have heard it, called Wait a Little Longer, Dear Jesus. Bless a pastor, a friend of mine's heart. He said that he was going to preach on prophecy one night, and he said he got ready to preach on prophecy at a church he was a guest at, and he said they had special music before he got up to preach. 
He said he had his sermon all ready to preach on the coming of Jesus Christ and getting ready for it. And he said, as uh, he sat there going through his notes, praying over his message about the return of Jesus Christ, he said somebody got up to sing a special, and the special music was someone singing, wait a little longer, dear Jesus, or sweet Jesus. See, my prayer isn't wait a little longer, quick, uh, uh, sweet Jesus. My prayer is come, Lord Jesus, amen. Come quickly. In fact, Revelation 22, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come. That's my prayer. The last prayer of our Bible is not for feeding the homeless. The last prayer of our Bible is not for saving the animals. The last prayer of our Bible is not over environmental issues. The last prayer of our Bible is not about civil rights. The last prayer of our Bible is, even so come Lord Jesus. That's the priority, folks. That's it. There shouldn't be anything in your life that would prevent you from being ready to see Jesus in a split second. Are you prepared? Are you ready? I can't explain when it'll happen or how it'll happen. I just know it's going to happen. It's a mystery. But here's what I know. It will happen, and because it will happen, the Bible says in Matthew 24, 44, Be you also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. This is the mystery of the rapture. It's so mysterious that it's rejected and denied, even though there's hundreds of verses that point to it. People even say, well, the word rapture doesn't occur in the Bible. You know, the word Bible doesn't occur in the Bible. So what? There's lots of words we use in our Baptist church and in our Christian faith that doesn't occur in the Bible. That doesn't mean that it's not a truth. It doesn't mean that it's a, it's a something false. It just means that particular word doesn't occur. The Bible doesn't say rapture. It says translated. But that's what rapture means. It means to be called out. And in fact, the church is a called out assembly. We're going to be called out and we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured. The, the picture of it's all through the Bible. We see picture after picture of the rapture of the church. One of the clearest ones is found the story of Enoch, who, is, who walked with God and was not, for God took him. What followed Enoch's rapture is a flood upon the earth. And that flood was a picture of God's judgment. Noah was a picture of the Jews going through the tribulation. And yet God raptured Enoch out right before the flood waters came upon the earth. The picture is all through there. Why, we see it over and over again. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. There's type after type. There's picture after picture of it. Uh, it's going to happen. It's going to take place. Nothing's going to prevent it. And it is a mystery. And it's one of the seven mysteries in the Bible. We read about the mystery of the rapture. We read about the mystery of iniquity. We read about the mystery of Babylon the Great. The Bible talks about the mystery of the restoration of Israel. The Bible speaks about the mystery of Christ and the church. We learned about Christ in you. It's a mystery that he's in us. And we learned about the mystery of God manifest in the flesh. All seven of those mysteries are New Testament biblical truths. And the Bible says that we are called to be good stewards of the mysteries of God. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that he be found faithful. Study these seven mysteries out, and you'll be a good steward in the sight of God. May God richly bless you today. Thank you for listening to these podcasts. Please share these podcasts online. Share them um, uh, anywhere on social media, uh, family, friends, you name it. Uh, this podcast, I don't know what platform you're listening on, but it's available in Apple. Uh, it's available um, 
on Spotify. It's available on Amazon Music Prime and other platforms. And again, I encourage you to follow the, this ministry page as the Lord is beginning to work and do great things. And we look forward to it moving forward and growing and expanding. And, uh, and I'll have more announcements, more posts coming, and other live uh, podcasts and uh, pre-recorded podcasts are forthcoming. And uh, get a copy of my book, if you don't mind. Uh, not only uh, Get It Straight, which is just recently published, uh, but you can also find Valiant for the Truth. Uh, I just had the cover updated on that information. That's a history of the Bible, and it deals with things about inspiration, preservation, inerrancy. Uh, it deals with uh, the modern version com- uh, issue, comparisons to the modern versions versus the King James Version, um, and full of charts, hundreds of scriptures, questions and answers, and so much more valiant for the truth. Uh, also, Born Again Basics for New Believers is available. A Seminary in You on How to Study the Bible. Uh, and, uh, and I thank the Lord for these works. I pray that he'll bless it and use it for his honor and glory. Thank you again for listening. May God richly bless you. Have a wonderful day. And until next time, may we all be time redeemers, redeeming the time for the days are evil.